You're listening to Northwest Chinese Baptist Church Podcast. To learn more about Northwest, including our gathering time, visit us at nwcbc.org. Today's speaker will be Pastor Stephen Yi. I just want to welcome you all today. Thank you so much for being here. Welcome to Northwest Chinese Baptist Church. Uh, my name is Stephen Yi, and I'm the English pastor here, and uh, I am so glad that you are here. Thanks for joining us. What a blessing it is to gather together to worship our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, I'm so thankful for today, and I'm thankful for this weather. <laughs> it's a nice change to have some rain, and um, it's been a great start to this new year. Um, but if this is your first time here today, uh, again, I do want to welcome you, and I apologize for uh, some of the loud noises that you're hearing now, uh, besides my voice. Uh, but, uh, you know, we're finishing up uh, a sermon series titled Rise and Go, and next week will be our, our final sermon uh, for this series, and um, I'm thankful that uh, we've been able to study together. Because Rise and Go, this is our theme for 2024 as a church, Northwest Chinese Baptist Church. As God has been answering prayer, as, as God has been moving in and through his people here at Northwest, he has blessed us. He's blessed us by allowing us to connect with many, many people uh, that are here in, in Phoenix, many new people that have come. And now, right, it's our desire as we've been connecting with people and as we continue to connect with people that we would help them connect with God, that we would come alongside them and, and help them to grow, to know God, to love God, to know his love, to put their trust in Jesus as their Lord and Savior and to grow as disciples of Jesus. And so that's why we're focusing in as a church on this theme, this, this phrase, to rise up and to go out. That is our prayer for each one of you, dear brothers and sisters whether you're here locally or whether you go out or you move to another city or to another country, it's our prayer that we would rise up as followers of Jesus and go out with the good news of Jesus, that more disciples of Jesus would be made, more disciples that make more disciples. And that's why we're talking about rising up and going this morning. You know, I don't know about you, but uh, oftentimes I think about what the purpose of life is. I think about, and I ask myself, and I ask God, God, why am I here? Why am I alive? God, why would you possibly create people, especially someone like me? And through the years, as I have taken time to study through the Bible and, and read and, and get to know God's word as he's given it to us, I've come to understand, right, that the reason that we have life, the reason that God has created us ultimately is to point to his greatness. Did you know, dear friend, that you were created to point to God's greatness? You were created to, to, to point to how good and how great God is. To put it another way, you were created to glorify God. You're created to point to how good and how great God is through everything that you do, through everything that you say, through your thoughts, through your dreams, through your whole life. You are here to bring glory to God. Now, I want to share this passage of Scripture with you. It comes from the book of Romans, chapter 11, verse 33 through 36. 
And I want to ask you to stand with me. As I read this passage, these few verses, I'm going to read them out loud. And I want to ask that you open up your Bible, if you have it, to Romans chapter 11, verse 33 through 36. I'm going to read it out loud and I'll ask you guys to follow along silently. Now, this is the Apostle Paul. He's writing this in the book of Romans, chapter 11, verse 33 through 36. I'm going to read it out loud. Please follow along silently. And he writes this to conclude this, this portion uh, of Scripture. Paul writes, Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay them? For from him and through him and for him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Would you pray with me? Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father God, we praise you. We praise you, God, because you are the creator of the heavens and the earth. You are God Almighty. You are all-powerful. You are all-knowing. You are in control of all things at all times. And God, you have a plan. And you are going to finish your plan. And your plan includes each one of us. And for that, God, I give you thanks. Thank you, God, for your love for us. Thank you, God, for giving us this new day. Thank you, God, for giving us breath in our lungs. Thank you for allowing us to come together today, to gather together, God, to, to worship you in spirit and in truth, to, to go to your word, God, and to study it so that we can hear from you. For we know, God, that your word is the truth. And we need you, God. And so, God, I thank you. God, I pray for my friends that are here today. Some of my friends are going through something difficult. God, I don't know what it is, but you do. God, I pray that in this very moment, God, that you would reveal yourself to them, that you would remind them of who you are, that you would remind them, God, that you are faithful. You would remind them, God, that you love them, that you would remind them, God, that your promises are true. God, that you would remind them that there is no hope apart from Jesus Christ. Thank you, God, for saving us. Thank you, God, for sending your one and only son, Jesus, to die on the cross to pay the price for our sins so that we might be forgiven, so that we could have eternal life with you. God, thank you for being so good to us. God, I pray that you would be glorified today. I pray that your greatness would be on full display as we look to your word and as we encourage one another. God, we ask for your help. and We thank you for your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much. You may be seated. You see, as you look at this passage, you see the Apostle Paul pointing, right, directing us to the greatness of God. And I just love verse 36, right, because this echoes, this cries out, this shows Paul's heart towards God. For him and through him and for him, all things in all of creation, all of creation is created in and for and through Jesus And he ends right that section of scripture, verse 36, Paul says, to him, to God, be the glory forever. Amen. 
To God be the glory forever. Amen. Dear brother and sister, is that the desire of your heart? Is that, do, you, do we echo the prayer of Paul when he says, To you, God, be all glory forever. Amen. Because here's the truth. In light of this, this truth, this scripture, this passage of scripture, in light of what we're talking about today and what God is going to teach us through his word, uh, I pray that you would meditate on this truth. And this is the truth for life. And you can advance the slide. You see, when God is our supreme passion and his glory is our ultimate motivation, God is the one who will direct our steps. When God is our supreme passion, when he is our ultimate motivation in this life, he is the one that will direct our steps. He is the one that will lead our life. He will be the Lord of our lives. And what are the implications of that truth? It means that when our lives are all about, when our value, when we value the glory of God, when our priority is the glory of God, then our lives will be lived in a way that is in alignment with his word. And our lives will point to the greatness of our God. Now, let me explain a little bit. What does it mean? What is the glory of God? And I explained it a little bit, but to put it simply, because I'm a simple person, the glory of God is, is his greatness. The glory of God is his perfection and all of his amazing attributes. That's the glory of God. And then, therefore, what does it mean for us as his children, as his creation to glorify God? It means to point to his greatness. And as the church, as his children, as followers of Jesus, we point to his greatness as we worship him with our lives. Dear brother and sister, dear friend, I pray that we would grow this morning to know what it means to bring God glory. And that not only would we know what it means, but it would be our desire as a church to glorify God in everything. You know, we've been talking about, and I've been sharing with you, the truth that who we are, right? Our identity determines what we do. Who we are determines what we do. And, and, and this is a message for you, the church, my brothers and sisters in Christ. As children of God, as followers of Jesus, as the church, I pray that it's our desire to first and foremost point to the greatness of God through how we live. Through everything that we do, I pray that everything that we do individually and together would point to the greatness of God. And so I want to explain this. I want to look into this more. I, I said we would get into some specifics this morning. Well, I want to talk about what, what it would look like for our lives to glorify God. What it would look for, for, like for us as a church, as Northwest Chinese Baptist Church, as followers of Jesus, to glorify God through all that we do. So number one, how can we bring God glory? How can we glorify God through our lives? Well, we, we glorify God through biblical faithfulness. We glorify God by being faithful to his word, his very words to us, his revelation to us. That's what the Bible is. These are the very words of God given to us. Yes, translated into English. We glorify God through biblical faithfulness. And if you like to write notes or write things down or just doodle or 
act like you're paying attention and write things down. You could do that. There's an outline in your bulletin. But if you don't like to write things down, that's totally okay too. We glorify God through biblical faithfulness. I want to share, I'm going to be sharing, you know, five other uh, passages of scripture with you. And I want to go on to this next scripture from 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. I want to read it to you out loud. It says, all scripture is God breathed. And this is, again, the Apostle Paul writing to his younger brother in the faith, Timothy. Timothy is, is another pastor leading a church. And, and, and this is Paul's encouragement to Timothy. So he says this. He writes this. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And before we dismiss this passage and think that, well, Pastor Steve, he's writing this to another pastor. He's writing this to Timothy. He's writing this to every servant of God, which is every follower of Jesus, which that means you and me. This applies to us. All scripture, that means all of God's word, every single one of them is given to us, is inspired, is breathed out literally by God. And it's useful for every aspect. Of life. And why? Why does God give us His Word? So that the servant of God, the people of God, the children of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And did you know, dear friend, dear brother and sister, that God created you and I to do good works in advance, even before you were even conceived, even before you were even born? God planned for us, each one of us, to do specific good things. And so we need his word. We as servants of God, so that we can be equipped and prepared and have everything that we need to do everything that he's created and called us to do. We need to be faithful to God's word. That means we need to go to God's word. And, you know, as I was studying this week, I read a statistic. Um, you take it for what it, what it is. Uh, Gallup is, is one of the, the leading uh, research firms uh, in, in the United States. They, they did a, a survey, and, and I read this one statistic. And, and it talks about people specifically in the United States and what they believe about the Bible. And here it is. In their survey, 20% of the people that they surveyed believe that the Bible is literally true. Word for word. I don't know how many people they surveyed. It was more than five. But only 20% of the people that they surveyed believe that the Bible is literally true word for word. Brothers and sisters, I pray that we are part of that 20%. Brothers and sisters, I want to share with you from what I know about God, from my studies in God's word, I believe that his, the Bible is true. I believe that there is absolute truth in this world, even though a majority of the world will say that there is no absolute truth. I stand before you today, I tell you there is, because I believe that there is a God. And I believe that his son, his name is Jesus, that Jesus came and he died on the cross and, and he rose from the dead. And that God 
breathed out these words and inspired different writers at different times to pen these words that we have in our hands or on our electronic devices today. And I believe that it is sufficient. I believe that it is accurate. I believe that it is true. And I believe that we can have complete confidence in everything that Scripture, that God reveals to us in His Word. You see, if you think about it, you can base your life off the claims of this world and the claims of, of other people, and you can be mistaken. Or you can live your life and stand firm upon a foundation based off of Jesus Christ and His Word that is always true. The Bible is true, it is clear, it's sufficient, it's authoritative because it comes from God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, the one who is all-knowing, the one who is all-powerful, the one who is without sin. And if you think about it as the church, as the children of God, as the family of God, as, as the body of Christ, if it is our desire to point to God's greatness, then we must be a people in the church that trusts and obeys his word. All of it, all of them, not just the ones that we resonate with. And as we live out, here's, here's, here's the great thing about God's word. As we live out God's word, there's confidence in that. There's freedom in, in, in living in obedience. It sounds weird, right? Well, how can obeying God be freedom? Because when we live out God's word, we live the very life that he created and planned for us to live out. That means when we live accordance to God, in accordance with God's word, we're living out our design and our purpose in this life. There's great confidence. There's great assurance. There's great freedom. There's great fulfillment in living in obedience and trust in God. You see, think about it. I want us to, in, in all the things that we're studying, God, uh, dear friends, I want us to think about how does this apply? How, how can we live this out? What does this mean for me individually? What does this mean for us collectively as a church? A church we know is not just a physical brick and mortar building or stucco and wood. The church is the people of God. And yes, we still call the building coming to church, come to church. But when, when God talks about the church in, in his word, he talks about his, his people, his family, the body of Christ. That's the church, you and me. And so I want you, as we study God's word, to always think about, what does this mean for me? What should this mean for my thoughts or my values or priorities? And what should this mean for us as a collective family, as the body of Christ? Should this have any effect on what we do or how we proceed or the decisions that we make or the perspective that I have? See, think about it. This is why we worship together. This is why we pray together. This is why we study the Bible together. This is why we have groups that meet throughout the week called community groups. This is why we desire to go out from this place to go outside of these walls and take the good news of Jesus Christ to people that haven't heard the name of Jesus or people that haven't put their trust in Jesus and have the assurance of eternal life with God for the rest of forever. This is why we do these things, brothers and sisters. And this is why in 2024, we together, we want to encourage you. And I'm praying along with Pastor Michael and, and, and my dear, dear brothers and sisters in Christ. This is why it is our prayer that we as a church rise up and go together 
to reach, to go and reach the ends of the earth with the good news of Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, Northwest Chinese Baptist Church is not a body of believers that devises our plans and strategies, that we think of our greatest ideas, and then we go to God's Word to see if we can find, possibly find a verse that will support what I plan and think about doing. No, we are a church that looks to God first. We are a people that, that goes to his all-sufficient, infallible, authoritative word. And then as we are learning and hearing from God, then we make our plans and our strategies with a desire to live in a way that is trusting and obedient to God. We desire to be biblically faithful And so I ask you, dear brother and sister, how is it that you are glorifying God in biblical faithfulness today and every day? How are you doing this? How are you living this out in your life? And this is not a guilt trip. I ask myself these very same questions. Because if I believe that this is God's word to us, and if I believe that it's important, if I believe that it's sufficient, if I believe that it comes with authority because it comes from God, then how? what am I doing with God's word On a daily basis, consistently, not just on Sunday. And so I encourage you, dear brothers and sisters, if it's your desire to live in trust and obedience to God's word, I encourage you, start a a daily time, a study time. Carve out that time, whether it's at the beginning of the day or the end of the day. I encourage you to carve out a time when you're at your best. I know, I tried it right before I go to sleep. And you know what happens when I open up the Bible right before I go to sleep? I'm trying to get it, God's word through osmosis. I'm hoping that it will just transfer into my brain and when I fall asleep. No. Brother and sister, maybe you need to start a daily study time. And I'm not just talking about reading. There's a difference between reading and studying. You all know that. The goal of God's word, yes, reading God's word is great. Studying God's word is even better. Because when you study, and what I talk about when I say the word study, I mean get to know what God is trying to say. And not only get to grow to understand what he's saying, because some of us just stop at understanding God's word. And I tell you, dear church, that's not enough. Because even the devil knows what God's talking about. But the difference is the devil doesn't obey what God says. You see, we need to study it, we need to read it, But we also need to live it out. We need to obey it. How is God leading you to be biblically faithful this year? Start with your own personal daily study time in God's word. It doesn't have to be a lot. It doesn't have to be for hours. Start with 10 minutes. Then go to 15 minutes. And 20 minutes. Then go to 24 hours. I'm just kidding. No, you, you know, if, if, even if that, if that's all we do for 24 hours is sit here in a room and read this, we are missing the point of what God is calling us to do as well. Start a daily study time. Encourage somebody else. And I, I encourage you with this, dear brother and sister, who is it that you could say that you have invested your life into lately? Who is it in your life, whether it's an older brother or sister in Christ or a younger brother and sister in Christ? I encourage you, brothers. Invest in another brother in Christ. 
sisters in Christ. My dear sisters, invest your life in another sister in Christ. It doesn't mean you can't impact brothers and sisters you know, of other genders, but what I'm saying is start. If you're a sister, invest in another sister. If you're a brother, invest in another brother in Christ. Who is it that you have invited into your life, the life that you share with Jesus Christ, that you have committed? Maybe it's not for their, the rest of their life, but at least for a period of time. Who is it that you have committed to walking alongside and helping them get to know God's word and live it out? And I share this with you because if you cannot name a single person I'm not here to say shame on you. What I'm here to say and encourage you with is you're missing out on one of the most glorious blessings of what it means to be a part of a a biblical family. The fact that you can invite someone into your life and that God would use you to encourage and help someone else get to know the greatness of who God is. But not only that, that, but that in that desire for you to open up your life and to be an encouragement to someone else, that other person can be an encouragement to you as well and help you to get to know God. Who is it? Are you encouraging somebody today? Maybe you've got it wrong. Maybe you thought that church is just a place that you show up to and that you sit down and listen to something and then you get up and leave and that it's all about you to get, 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 receive, receive, receive and that you never have to give anything except for that prayer that said, Jesus, yeah, I love you and I believe in you. Maybe you're missing out again on those good works that God has prepared for you to do that includes someone other than yourself. Maybe it's committing to join the 915 Bible study that we have here. And we're looking forward to some new classes this year as well that will help us to grow in our understanding and in our application of God's word. Maybe it's committing to come faithfully at 1045 to worship God together because you realize, yeah, I could worship at home by myself, but God calls me to worship together, to gather together with the rest of my church family to worship him together. And not only that, it's not just about me feeling good about singing and worshiping to God and studying his word, but there may be another brother or sister who comes today, that God would lead me to encourage today. Just like my biological family, I miss them if I'm apart from them. I yearn to see them every day, every morning. I want to wake up and I want to see my family. I want to give them a hug. I want to kiss them. I want to let them know that I love them. How is it with you, dear family of God? How many of you want to just embrace me and give me a hug? <laughs> no, I'm, just I'm not asking for hugs. Okay, please. But is that our perspective towards one another as brothers and sisters? Again, I could give a hug to somebody and not love them at all. I could just, it could just be a robotic action. It's about the heart, right? How many of you, maybe God's leading you to join and be connected uh, and to grow in fellowship with other brothers and sisters by joining a community group, joining one of these groups that meet throughout the week so that you can do these things that I'm encouraging you to do, like study the word more, like uh, open up your life to somebody else where they can get to know you and you can get to know them and you can walk in this life together. Are you being biblically faithful? Secondly, we glorify God through fervent prayer. I know, fervent is not, not a word that we use a lot, but it's committed, continual prayer, genuine, 
heartfelt, committed, consistent prayer. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18, another one of Paul's writings to the church in Thessalonica. He writes this, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. How many of you have ever asked, God, what is your will for me? God, what is your plan? What is the plan that you have for me, God? Well, do you know where I found this passage? In God's word. Is this the only part of God's will for you? No. This is part of God's plan for you. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. You see, the Apostle Paul says this very clearly, right? It is God's plan for us to pray all the time. Well, Pastor Steve, that's so unrealistic. You expect me to go into a quiet place, to kneel down, to bow my head, and close my eyes, and fold my hands, and, and pray for 24 hours a day. And this, you expect me to believe that this is what God wants me to do? No. God says, pray continually. But it's not how I just described it. It's not that you have to be by yourself. You have to be in complete silence. You have to close your eyes and bow your heads and fold your hands and be on your knees. But it is God's will for us to pray continually. Prayer, if you think about it, prayer is talking with God. Prayer is a conversation with God. It should be ongoing. Prayer is central to everything we do as Christians. You see, if you look, and if you, I want to remind you of some scripture here. Jesus commands us to pray for laborers, more workers, to join the harvest. There's a spiritual harvest that Jesus has, has provided for us as a church, and he calls us to, to reap that harvest. And he says, pray, pray for more workers to reap the harvest. In Matthew chapter 9, he tells us to pray and not to lose heart, not to get discouraged, not to fall, believe in the lies that God doesn't hear us, that God doesn't care, that God does, is not doing anything, and that God is apathetic towards us. No, but pray and do not lose heart. God's word tells us that the early church in the book of Acts, right, they prayed, they prayed that, that God would give us even more evangelistic boldness to go out and to share the good news of Jesus, even in the face of suffering and persecution. When the world around us wants to shut us up and tell us not to believe in Jesus and tell us to stop talking about Jesus, the church in the book of Acts said, we pray that they would have more boldness to go out and share about Jesus. Prayer is central to everything that we do. It's central to our lives. Do you know why? Because it points to a relationship with God. If we don't pray, brother and sister, that tells us what kind of relationship we have with God. Remember John 15. Apart from Jesus, we can do Nothing. Therefore, prayer has to be a central part of everything that we do in our lives as individuals, but also collectively as a church family, the body of Christ. And again, prayer, we talk with God. And as you talk with God, it's not just a laundry list of, of, of demands and requests, but we also take time to listen to God. And again, when I say listen to God, I want you to know I don't mean hearing audibly from God. 
And if you have heard audibly from God, I don't doubt it. Um, but whatever you heard audibly, I pray that it lines up with Scripture. But I, I just want you to know, I've never heard audibly from God. But I still, try, I still take time to, to ask God, God, what is it that you're trying to teach me? God, I just want to be silent right now. And if there's anything that you want to say to me, please just, just help me to understand. Talk to God. Listen to God. Because you know that he loves you. And, and, and you know that you love him. We pray because he is our everything, right? Well, why would I possibly want to talk to God in the first place? Either it's because I love him or it's because I think I need him. And it's my prayer that it's both for you. That not only do you realize that you need him, but you also love him. You know, when I was about 13 or 14 years old, before I got my first job scooping ice cream at 31 Flavors, now you know my first job. So if you ever need help scooping ice cream, just go talk to Deacon Larry. I lost all my ice cream scooping muscle. But when I was about 13 or 14, before I got that first job, I remember asking my parents for spending money whenever I wanted to go out and hang out with my friends or like go share a meal with them or go to the movies or something because I wasn't earning any income at that time. I know some of you like you were a slacker. But I share that with you because there's nothing really profound about the dialogue that I had with my parents during those years when I was like 13 and 14, and there was a time when I had friends that I wanted to hang out with. But it's really just very logical, okay? Number one, my parents had some money. Number two, I did not have any money. And number three, my parents said, if there's anything you need or want, you can always come and ask us. It doesn't mean they always say yes. Oftentimes they said no. But in relation to what I'm talking about, they were the ones that would supply the financial means so that I could go out and hang out with my friends and do some things. And yes, I know tax season is approaching. You know, I'm thinking of how at that time I was a dependent. I was dependent upon my parents at that time as a child. I was dependent financially upon them. And I asked them for help when I wanted or needed some money. And you're going to be thinking, Pastor Steve, where are you going with this? I share this with you because, not, not so that you, the takeaway is, well, you're saying God will give us money when we ask him for money? No, I'm not saying that. But what I am trying to help you to understand is that, that as a child, I recognize my need. As a child, I recognize who my parents were and how they would provide for me. In that same way, dear brother and sister, we must understand that God is our perfect heavenly father. He, no matter who or what your history is or experiences with earthly parents, I want to tell you, dear friend, that God is our perfect heavenly father. And what perfect heavenly father means is that he's perfectly loving. He's perfectly patient. He's perfectly gracious. He's perfectly merciful. He disciplines us perfectly. In every way, God is our Heavenly Father, perfect. And we must depend on Him for everything. We depend on God for our every breath, don't we? I should get an amen. Because, dear church, we need to understand that. We would not be able to breathe unless God gives us another breath right now. It's not because you're such, in such great shape, even though you all are in great shape physically. I can tell. But you are able to breathe and laugh by God's grace. Because he has given you that breath. 
why we pray. Our prayer should be like breathing. How many of us love someone so much that we can't wait to see them, be with them, talk with them, hear from them? I'm talking about my wife, Debbie. Talking about my kids. It should be this way with God, too. This is why we pray. Prayer, if you didn't know, it also pleases God. Think about me as a father. I want to hear from my children. I want to talk with my wife and hear from her and what's on her heart and her mind. Think about how God loves you. He wants to hear from you, too. He delights in you way more than you could ever delight in him. So we pray. That's why we pray all the time, not because you shall pray now. No, you pray because God loves you. You know that he's there. You know that he's faithful. You know his promises are true. You know he created you to talk with him and walk with him and stand upon him and trust him. That he delights in you. That's why we pray. That's why we listen. That's why we pray out loud. That's why we pray silently. That's why you pray in the car. That's why you pray with your eyes open in the car. And that's why you pray at the store or at work and when you wake up or when you lie down, when you play, when you celebrate, when you grieve, when you lose, when you win, you keep talking with God. You pray unceasingly. And here's the thing about prayer. Prayer doesn't move God. But prayer might move you. God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He is the one that's in control and all-powerful and knows what's best. Our prayers don't change God. He's unchanging. But see, as you open up a conversation with God, you also might be changed by God. How is it that you are fervently praying, dear brother and sister? Number three, we glorify God through walking in the Spirit. Bill, thank you so much for leading us in these songs that that directed our focus to the Holy Spirit of God. Part of that trinity, right? Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, three in one, one in three. Holy Spirit, you are God, and we thank you for being with us. I want to share this this passage with you from Romans, again, the Apostle Paul. Romans chapter 8, verses 14 through 17. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, heirs also, heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him. Now, I was just having this conversation with some of my brothers and sisters in Christ as we were at community group. We were studying the Bible together and talking about how important God's word is and how to teach our children and our families to know God through his word. But here's, here's the truth here. As Christians, we should know that the Holy Spirit of God, upon our placing, upon us placing our faith in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, Right, We know that Jesus is the one. The Holy Spirit comes and, and dwells inside of us and changes us from the inside out, makes us a new creation. Our sins are forgiven, right? We know that the Holy Spirit, because of by God's grace, through faith in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit comes and dwells with us. And so Paul is saying, right, what is he commanding here? He's saying, for all who are being led by the Spirit of God, you are the sons of God. 
It's the Holy Spirit that guides us, teaches us, leads us, convicts us, corrects us, equips us, and empowers us to live a life of trust and obedience to Jesus Christ. A life that is marked by freedom that comes from being God's sons. I want to point something out here. Normally, we, we go through, uh, I, I put up verses that are uh, from the New, New International Version uh, translation of the Bible. But in this passage, I wanted to point out just, just something that, that should inform us as we study God's Word. This is from the New American Standard uh, translation. The NIV is great. And so is the NASB, and so is, are some of the other translations. I will not say all translations are good. But if you have questions about that, we'll talk about that later, or you can ask me afterwards. But I want to point out one difference here. Here's something to take note of. And this is why we really need to take time not just to read Scripture, but to understand it and to learn from it. And learn the goal of, of, of reading and studying Scripture is to be transformed and changed. But, but secondly, in order to be transformed and changed, we need to understand not what we think God is saying, but we need to understand and know beyond the shadow of a doubt, this is what you are saying, God. Every word has meaning. And so, uh, if I were to share with you the NIV version in verse 14, instead of sons of God, it will say children of God. Now, I want you to know, I am not discounting the NIV version. This is, I study this version and I use, I use different kinds of versions to study God's word to make sure I can find out what God is exactly saying. Both versions lead us to the same conclusion and the same truth. But I want to point this one out. In the NIV, sons of God is replaced with children of God. And you might be saying, well, what's the big deal? Because there's a reason why God said it this way. And the writers wrote it this way using sons of God. Sons of God is more of a literal translation from the original languages. Because here is the thing. Both translations mean the same thing and lead us to the same translation and the same understanding. But I want you to know the word sons is a better way to help us understand what God is saying because, don't misunderstand me, this scripture and both of these translations are saying both men and women are characterized as having the rights as sons. God is telling us, right, if you think back to that culture at that time, who was guaranteed as the number one heir to all the riches of the family? Who was it? The first son. The son. It was not the daughter. It was the son. Whoa, Pastor Steve, what are you saying here? This is totally disrespectful to women. No, it's not. Because we need to understand what God is saying. He's saying, you, dear sister, You, yes, yeah, by your gender, you're a daughter of God. But in your position, you are like a son of God. With all of the inheritance and the birthright to all the richness and fullness of God. Just as you male brothers. And that's, I just want to point that out to you. But see, let's not get stuck on those words and, and let's not discount the translations. But, but I, I want us to show us the, the nuances of, and, and the richness of studying Scripture and looking to see what God means. See, he uses the word sons because if you're really studying it, even if you're looking at the NIV, the NIV says children of God. But then further in that verse, in, in verse 16, it still says the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. So then why would God put sons and then put children? 
because he's making that distinction and clarifying what it means to be a child of God. It is as if you were the firstborn son with all of the, the inheritance and the privilege in, of that position. That's what it means to be a part of the family of God. I should get another amen. Are you walking in the spirit? As Paul encouraged us, we should be. What does it mean to walk with the Spirit of God? It means to acknowledge God being with you and to walk in step with Him as He is leading you and guiding you, as God is teaching you and trying to correct you and discipline you and and equip you for what He has called you to do and the things that He's created you to do. Walk with the Spirit. Depend on Jesus. Talk with Jesus. Listen to Jesus. Live out and obey Jesus. Trust Jesus. Stand firm upon His promises. What does it mean to walk with the Spirit? It means to have a relationship with Jesus and to acknowledge him in everything, in every way. Go to him. Ask him. Trust him. Cry to him. Even shout out when you get angry. It's okay to to let God know that you're angry. He knows you're angry already. You can talk with him and share anything with him. It doesn't change how he loves you. It doesn't change the fact that he's forgiven you through his son. It doesn't change your position as his child. Walk in the Spirit. Because we know apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. Fourth thing, how do we glorify God? We, we do it through proclaiming the gospel and making disciples. Matthew 28, verse 18 through 20, we know is the Great Commission. This is a command from Jesus to each one of his followers. Right? Jesus came and he said to them, said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is why our theme, and this is why we feel like God has, has led us as pastors, Pastor Michael and, and I, uh, to encourage you with this phrase, rise and go. Because as God commands us, our lives should follow. As God commands us, our response should not be to sit and say amen. Our response should be to get up and go in trust and obedience to what he has said. And if he's called us to go and make disciples to the ends of the earth, baptizing people and teaching them to obey all that Jesus has commanded, it is our desire as Northwest to be all about God's mission. And I pray, it's our prayer that this year, not only, you know, here's the thing. God has answered our prayers. He has helped us to connect with hundreds of people that have moved here to Phoenix. Did you know that, dear brother and sister? God has answered that prayer beyond the shadow of a doubt. I have met many of these hundreds of people that have been through these doors that I've never met before. God has blessed and answered that prayer and helped us to connect with them. But it doesn't stop there. God's command and his plan for us now is to make disciples. Can we force people to believe? No. Is that our desire to force people? No. Our desire is that God would meet them and that God would work in their hearts and open their eyes and draw them to himself. And we know, right, if Jesus is lifted up, all he is the one that will draw all people to himself. Amen? It's not about your weaknesses. It's not about your strengths. It's not about how great you are or how not great I am. It's about how great he is. Jesus said, 
If I be lifted up, I'll draw all men to myself. Lift Jesus up. Lift him up. Glorify God through every aspect of your life. Point to Jesus. Last thing. I'll ask Bill to come up because we're going to finish this one real quick. How do we glorify God? Through advancing the church. Uh, Dear brothers and sisters, dear friends, if you're here for the first time, I want you to know that Northwest Chinese Baptist Church started out as a mission. It started out, we were a church that that was planted here in the Northwest Valley. At that time, this was the Northwest Valley. Because brothers and sisters from First Chinese Baptist Church and the leadership there and the pastor there had a vision uh, to fulfill the Great Commission in reaching more people with the good news of Jesus in a different part of the city because they knew that people out here on the northwest side needed Jesus. And that's why Northwest Chinese Baptist Church was started. They didn't just talk about making disciples. They didn't just study about making disciples. They didn't just pray about making disciples. But they followed Jesus as he led them to go, to rise up, to get up from their physical building in central Phoenix and move out here to go and take the gospel to people that need Jesus. That's why we are here today. And see, God is not done yet. He still calls us and is as I believe has positioned and prepared us to continue to advance the kingdom of God, to continue to grow the church. I'm not talking about Northwest. He has continued to call us to make disciples. And if you think about it, the progression is this. As we go out and share the good news of Jesus, as disciples of Jesus are made, as people come to faith in Jesus Christ, and as we walk with them to grow to, to maturity and be more like Jesus than other Groups and local bodies will be organized. Other groups of Christians that are too far away, they will begin to want to gather and worship God and grow in God's word and serve the Lord. And that's called planting churches. I pray and I'm thankful that God is already leading us to plant new churches. And I'm going to share about it in our members meeting after service today. We are going to share about it, how God is leading us to be faithful to his mission and invited us to join him. And how he's leading us to advance the church. And I am so thankful for each one of you. Will we be the church that is faithful to God? Will we rise up and go? That's my prayer for each one of you. Will we, will you, dear brother and sister, will you individually and will we together as the body of Christ, will we glorify God today and every day until we see him face to face? Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father God, we praise you. I thank you so much, God, for your word. I thank you for your truth. I thank you, God, for giving us your word that is sufficient, that is authoritative, that is without error. God, I pray that you'd help us to not only know your word, not only to understand it, but God, that you would help us to live it out. I pray, God, that you, your Holy Spirit, would continue to shape our hearts, mold and conform our thoughts, renew our minds to be more like yours. And I pray, God, that as your church here at Northwest, I pray that we would be faithful that we would trust you and obey you, that we would see more disciples of Jesus made, that we would see more churches, groups, uh, gatherings of believers 
start and begin and become organized and that you would use Northwest, God, however it is that you see fit for your kingdom and your glory. May you be glorified. May your greatness be put on display in and through each one of us and all that we do. God, I thank you. And God, I pray there may be a friend here that today, for the very first time, they recognize that they need Jesus to save them. They want to have the assurance of eternal life. They want to live out your purpose for them. And God, I pray that if there's a friend here that is realizing that, and they want to put their trust in Jesus today, I pray that they would just pray this and just acknowledge this in their heart as we talk to you, God, that they would acknowledge this and say this to you. God, I know that I'm a sinner. God, I need Jesus to save me. Jesus, thank you for loving me. Jesus, forgive me of all of my sin. Jesus, I want to follow you all the way to heaven. Jesus, I confess you as my Lord today. Thank you for adopting me into your family. Help me to know you. Help me to love you. Help me to follow you. God, I pray that if there's a friend here that prayed that prayer, then that's, that acknowledge, that's the acknowledgement of their heart. That's the desire of their heart to trust and follow you. God, I pray that they would know that their sins are forgiven, that they have new life in you, and that you'll be with them for the rest of forever, and they'll be with you, and that all of heaven is rejoicing. And God, I also pray for my brothers and sisters. I pray, God, that you would lead us to take whatever it is that next step is in obedience to you, in trust of you, in love for you, God. I pray that you would show us each what it means to rise up and to go, to serve you, God, faithfully, committedly, God, with love, not out of obligation. God, I pray that you'd help us each to take that next step, God, and I thank you for being so good to us. God, may you be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. Dear brother and sister, I want to, friend, invite you to stand up. You know, this is a time where we sing this song, and it's really a time to respond to God. And so uh, my encouragement to you, I'm going to be up here. If you want to share something that God has laid on your heart, maybe it's the next step that God has led you to take. Maybe you put your trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior today. I encourage you to come, and as we sing, just come and share it with me so that I can pray with you. Would you do that as we sing? encouraged by today's message be sure to follow us on spotify and hit subscribe on apple podcast or wherever you stream your podcast to listen to the other sermons and watch our live gatherings visit us online at nwcbc.org we look forward to see the difference god will make in your life thank you for listening to northwest chinese baptist church podcast